Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, and welcome everybody to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. Today on the program, I've got Sarah Kennedy. She is the Chief Marketing Officer of Marketo. And one of the things I learned about Sarah is she is a self proclaimed introvert. So I'd like to share a few things that I know about this incredibly talented and accomplished marketer. And you'll have to you'll have to tell me, Sarah, if I get things right. But I know that you grew up uh, in Texas and you attended Baylor University and you were in the School of Management there and have an MBA in strategy and marketing. So clearly passion for education. She is your Dean's List type of student, and when she competes, she is a finalist and a winner. So she really likes competition. We'll talk more about that. But life for Sarah isn't just about winning, as I have learned, because she's definitely a risk taker, and she is fearless. And she's not afraid to fail, and we'll even talk about her failures because she understands that those lessons and being vulnerable are, are critical and important for others. When it comes to her career, she uh, spans things like copywriting, being an editor-in-chief, early sales roles in her career, and over a decade of rising up the ranks of marketing leadership. Um, probably touch a little bit on when she was in college and played basketball, which she still loves. And, uh, you know, I, I'm wondering, Sarah, if you crashed and burned in your March Madness bracket, as so many people did. <laughs> But she's a, a very caring human being and volunteers her time at the Junior League in Dallas uh, and uh, Texas Fort Worth, two great organizations that she's not only involved as a volunteer but advisor. And, you know, this is where things get interesting. So for much of her career, while she was at Sabre for about a decade, she was in product marketing, she was a head of innovation and R&D, and she eventually became their global head of marketing slash CMO. And before she left, uh, you know, she was there for almost a decade and got recruited away by Marketo and now been there for six months. So you caught some interesting things. Sarah's a marketer who was in product marketing and R&D. And yes, Sarah can even write code. Does she sound like your CMO? Because I think she's the persona of the modern CMO, given her technical aptitude and, and your, your technical savvy. Um, Lastly, I think, you know, my take on Sarah, person I'm still getting to know, is she is driven, and she loves to win, but as I said, she's willing to fail for the sake of trying new things and following her passions. And lastly, Sarah, you know, well, some people like to quote Churchill and Martin Luther King and Einstein or business leaders like Jim Collins. I'm never surprised when you hit the stage and you start doling out some hip-hop words of wisdom because it seems like hip-hop is your jam and you got a lot of lyrical geniuses caught up there. So without further ado, how about a little hip-hop virtual walk-up music for my guest today on the podcast, Miss Sarah Kennedy. Sarah, welcome to the program. I hope you're blushing a little bit. How are you? <laughs> well, I am. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate you having me on the program. I do. You got uh, almost everything right <laughs> Research. in that intro, but I'm very flattered. I'm very flattered, yeah. All right. Well, hopefully I didn't miss anything. You know, uh, we'll figure out what we have in common, but 
don't know if you follow Carly Klaus, the supermodel, but you know she runs a camp for girls and likes to code as well. So you mm-hmm. two will have to get together if you haven't met each other yet. I don't. Yeah, I mean, clearly our paths would have crossed in our in our lines of work. Man, she's got probably a lot more uh, exciting stories to tell than I do. But yeah, similar, similar passions, I would say. Yeah, but. for sure. I started encoding. Uh, we haven't ever talked about that. And so, you know, yeah. I was a childhood programmer, age 11, was writing video games and um, went to college and started writing code and found that in the computer lab, there were just people who were way smarter than me when it came to their math skills. And I liked making video games. So I was really pushing myself right. to try to create visuals. And I just I just didn't have the math skills. So I switched into business uh, and marketing uh, emphasis and graduated with a degree in marketing and computer science. And, you know, for me, being in the industry that you and I are both in, it's the perfect storm because it's people and marketing and technology. So why don't we start there? What what um, what prompted you to go over to Marketo? Gosh, there are, there's actually a long list of things. But, um, but honestly, I will say I had a job that I loved at Sabre. I was working in, you know, one of the I would call it one of the most fascinating industries in the world with travel. And the reality is, you know, I was was marketing to some of the most discerning marketers in the world with the CMOs of very large, um, you know, luxury hospitality brands. And um, they, they didn't, they weren't very forgiving. I'll just say that. Um, So my job was challenging, but also really rewarding in a a great way. But I, I, um, I had actually been thinking for a while about moving on to do something different just because I had been, I was like the only millennial I had ever met that worked at the same company for a decade. And, uh, and I really wanted to get some diversity in my experience at some point. So I started kind of slowly looking around just to see what, um, you know, what would be interesting to me, what, where my passion really could come to life. And, uh, but also most importantly, honestly, I wanted to go learn from, a really great leader next. And I had had a great leader, um, a guy named Alex Alt from Sabre that I worked for uh, for many years who taught me a lot. But I, And I was looking for somebody at his caliber or even above, and I had to really search and hunt for that. And I met Steve Lucas, and it was like, oh, gosh, this guy running this incredible company at, with a brand as powerful as this, you know, it's just like a, it's a, it was a match made in heaven. And I think um, for me, I was just so honored to have the opportunity to come in to lead this brand um, into its really its next era of, of growth. And so for me, that was a no-brainer with my dream job. Steve has said to me and to many other people that uh, he considers you one of, you know, one of the or if not the best marketer that he knows and has worked with, a real compliment. And coming back to what you said, you know, Steve was at SAP for a very long time and you were at Sabre right. for a decade. Like you said, most millennials don't do that. I myself spent nine and a half years uh, at Fairlawn, and they, I rebranded them to Natopia as their head of marketing, like you, as a very young uh, head of marketing. I think it's a, yeah. it's a very important part of your career journey to stay at a place for a long time and grow up there. It's like Malcolm Gladwell's book, you know, Blink, that you got to spend and have, you know, the thousands and thousands of hours mastering your trade. Otherwise, you're always kind of rebooting, I find, if you jump around a lot. So probably was a good move, you know, to, to try something new, certainly. But you also yeah. had a lot of new while you were at Sabre as well, moving through the different, uh, you know, careers that you did there. Yeah, and it was, you know, it was such a, it's to your point, I, um, I used to be, uh, this is a weird thing to say, I used to almost be embarrassed that I would choose to stay at a place for that long as a millennial. I honestly was because I had so many people that I knew that were hopping around to really sexy brands that were doing a lot of stuff. And I just, I continued to have so many challenges there thrown my way that I could not walk away from. And it was such a rewarding place to grow up 
um, in a sense. And also, um, you know, I, I know it's, it's like you keep stacking up wins at a place and you get opportunities to do these bigger and bolder things that you just can't get walking in the door at a new company. And so uh, for me, it was, you know, they I, ever before I would ever even think about moving on, Saber had thrown something new my way, a new challenge, a new completely different uh, yeah. customer segment to go tackle and so that was for me it's kind of I've learned also in a career as a leader you know it's really hard to to find somebody that has proven themselves to not have found their their ceiling of capability and I don't mean glass ceiling I just mean like wherever they've tapped out and kind of gotten to the Peter principle or whatever you know it's really um, it's hard to find somebody that just you continue to promote and push things at that can grow in one place and for me I was lucky enough to do that in one company and now now I kind of look for that when I'm looking for people to hire, as well as a mix of people that have got a lot of experience in different places, because right. you kind of need both, no matter what business you're in. Yeah, no, it's great, great advice. Um, you you do talk about being an introvert, and I want to talk a little bit about that, because do you think that that part of your persona, does it help you? Does it hinder you? Neutral? Talk a little bit about that. You know, it makes me, this is going to sound weird, it makes me more tired, and that's not a bad thing, okay? So and I'll, and I'll explain what I mean. Um, introverts are more, the, the, just the entire notion of what an introvert is, is actually, it's, a lot, it's often misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe that does, I don't know if that hurts me or helps me, I, but I, I know, I know way more introverts in the C-suite than I do extroverts. And it's only because it's people that, uh, tend to get really energized. Like their energy is, is drawn from, um, smaller conversations that go deeper with people they know, like they would, if they're at a cocktail party or something, they're having to go, um, meet a hundred different people. Like that's my worst nightmare is walking into, you know, if it's a room where I only have 10 seconds to talk to each person, um, and I can't go deep with anybody on anything that that to me is draining. It's more of like your, your energy suck versus I would love to meet. I like meeting people and then spending, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes going deep and really talking to them. So you'll find me drawn to stay and talk to, you know, a few, a handful of people in a, in an event like that. Um, but sometimes my job necessitates that I, that I have to do the one inch deep, you know, meet, right. meet a thousand people. And so that's where it's just, and it's not that I don't like it. It's just that it's my energy. I, I will get more energized in a conversation and more, uh, animated. You would see me do that. Um, if I get to talk to one or two or three people for a longer period of time versus, um, kind of, and that's just one example of how that, that comes to light. But, um, you know, maybe the perception of introvert, I don't know if it hurts you or helps you. I, I like to think of it as. Um, I get, I go, I get nerdy. I go deep on a lot of things. And that's what I think uh, kind of gives me power as an introvert is that I can have um, just deeper conversations with people. I think sometimes introverts, they're supposed to be better at listening often. So, (laughs) um, and just, you can get to know people, I think on a deeper level in a shorter amount of time, which for me, actually, my job is pretty, pretty important um, and, and can be priceless if used in the right way. But it just means I sleep better at night, even because I'm exhausted if I've got to go to a cocktail reception, for example. (laughs) Like you said, some people get their energy from lots of conversations. You know, I, 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 and Steve is one of those people, by the way, Steve Lucas, man, he, there is no better room for him than a room where he gets to meet so many new people at once. Like LinkedIn is his virtual playground, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, but it's why he's such a great—he's uh, just a great leader and a guy that can walk in a room and make everybody feel really welcome. But he gets—he gets more and more energized as he moves through a room, and he so that's sure just. That's why we're actually a pretty good balance. Good, good <laughs> dynamic duo for for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you've been there now six months working with him and the and the team. So I would love to hear about kind of how that that last six uh, that six months have been, and then also maybe touch yeah. on two questions. You know, what's it like coming into a company that has such an established 
brand. Uh, it's not that you know this is a startup. This is a very well-established company viewed as a success uh, in the marketing technology uh, and marketing field. So what's that been like in the, in the last six months? Yeah, great question. So, and actually, it's not six months yet. I count my days to six months because six months is day one of uh, Summit. It's a real, <laughs> so, wow, that's a big uh, first day. Yeah, or, or day, yeah, it is. It's a, um, so it'll be exactly my six-month anniversary. And I actually think Steve's was similar. I think he, I think he may have hit his six-month anniversary at the beginning of Summit, too. And that's, we didn't design it that way. But um, it's an interesting place to be at just entering that, that event. But, but I will say the last six months have been, have been a whirlwind. I mean, I... Gosh, I, it's been so much fun, and I have called it um, what I call a very, very healthy level of uh, exhaustion and stress. If that's if there's such a thing, maybe that's an oxymoron. But um, but I've I've been so lucky to walk into a team of marketers that are incredible at what they do, and and yet this team has had you know a lot of change over the last couple of years. The, ch- the company has changed. Um, most of Steve's leadership team has um, has turned over mm-hmm. in the last year by design, and I think. Um, it's been really cool to be going through a little bit of the ramp up process with a lot of other leaders on that team together because most of us are new, but we've got a lot of really strong tenured people that have been around this business for a while that um, that are great at just helping us understand the context and the history of where we come from versus um, you know where we're headed, not even versus, but and where we're headed because it's a complement to one another as we look to how we want to grow in this next phase of, of Marketo's just life. Um, but I, I would say the question about coming into a brand like this, man, I feel, I feel like there's no job after this job. And and what I mean by that is (laughs) I've walked into the company that respect, like it respects marketing. It celebrates marketing and invests in marketing. And Steve is a leader that advocates for marketing. I mean, there's just, there's little nuanced things that he does that show how we put the marketer first. It's like, we truly do live our, our our vision mission, like our, everything about what we do is about putting the marketer first. And so he lives that way in the way that he runs his company. And I just keep thinking like, man, I have, I go out there and I talk to a lot of these marketers that are facing a lot of the challenges I faced in my old role in my old company, which was, you know, trying to prove your value, trying to establish, you know, just a level of respect and a seat at the table as a marketer. And, you know, I never really had a problem with that part because I always viewed myself as kind of the GM of a business who happens to have marketing as my area of responsibility. But, but the reality is, and the challenge of investing in marketing is just true for every business. And it's like this, this mind-numbing cycle every year that you go through where you get, you know, the, the levers that companies have to pull and the, you know, the dollars that are most liquid are the marketing dollars. And <laughs> they're the ones that get pulled back in the second half of the year. And this yeah. is not a business like that. And, and it's just, it's almost it almost feels surreal to be working in that world. And it's, um, it's an honor, honestly, because I, I have been so lucky to step into that role and to now be able to, to spend and invest in a brand and its growth and the, the demand gen engine that we've built. Um, you know, the dollars that we pour into making that a success are really important dollars that could go somewhere else in the business, right? So we've got to spend them well. We've got to get great return on our investment. But there's not the upfront debate of why that's important. And that is I just, as a marketer, that's like, it's like, I feel like I'm skipping through heaven with, you know, unicorns and, and rainbow and fairy dust. <laughs> yeah. When, whenever people ask me about making a move and they're yeah. really passionate marketing technologists, you know, they come out of a demand gen or marketing leadership roles where they are working right. at companies. I'll say, have you thought about a career in the marketing technology industry? Because it is so fun to market to marketers. 
Um, oh, yeah. It's, it's been the past you know decade plus at uh, leading demand gen has been the best decade of my career because I just really enjoy going out and inspiring marketers to grab hold of these methods and technologies and use them and put, like you say, put marketing center stage and work at a company that actually looks up to marketing or treats marketing as a peer instead of the uh, the arts and crafts center. You know, right. it's, it's just awesome. Right. <laughs> that make the pictures pretty, yeah. team, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's just, and it's so, it's so fun. It's just, it's an, it's, I feel like I've got it. I'm the steward of the most important brand in my, in my world, in my career as a brand like Marketo, who, who is already there. And like, we can bring an industry forward. We can bring a discipline um, to a whole new place. Uh, and we can be the advocate that makes that possible but it's it's also a lot of responsibility it may it, you know it's kind of like your hands are always a little shaky because you hold something so precious in a sense and that's how I view this role it's how I, I know my team views their roles but it's also why it's a great place to recruit marketers because yeah. people get excited about that and, and that challenge so yeah. um, it is definitely a blessing well, the work, as you know, is not done. You wouldn't have gone there if it was on the, the downslide heading towards laggard land. Right. right? You know, there's a lot <laughs> left to go. Right. And most marketers, you know, take your entire install base and some of the other leading uh, marketing companies, right? It took Salesforce from a CRM perspective many, many years to kind of get CRM, you know, off premise and up into the cloud and for, you know, for sales reps to live outside the spreadsheet and inside of an actual tool that can help them be more effective. And there's still, you know, more, there are more marketers on the planet that are not using uh, the tools that we have available to them than are using. So we've got a long, long way to go in the growth curve. We're still on, to me, I think we're still on the early adopter uh, segment when I look across all the different industries. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, um, it is interesting because I, I, I also am fascinated by how, uh, as I've, I've, I've watched and also just where I come from, there's such a interesting shift in the companies that are even less mature in marketing. Some of them are adopting some of these tools, but they are definitely lagging in the sense of knowing how to use them and maturity, obviously, and adopting them and just implementing and getting value out of them. But then there's also this awkward shift we're starting to see that makes our job actually, um, it, it forces my team to evolve a little bit and who we talk to, which is the CTO and the CIO and just even procurement organizations yeah. leading some of these decisions for often maybe the right reasons, maybe the wrong reasons. It kind of depends on the, the business and where they are in their own journey. But, but I actually, I have a lot of experience marketing to CTOs and CIOs. And so that's actually my comfort zone, <laughs> oddly. Um, and so it's us also trying to figure out how do we help marketing become more of an ally with their own internal CIO, CTO, and making a lot of these decisions and just um, the procurement organizations that they're having to collaborate with or that are actually gaining you know, responsibility and authority inside of a decision like this. Um, and in some companies, in an unfortunate way, making decisions without getting actually much input from marketing and others, um, hopefully more as a partner, but us looking at how we can help those organizations partner together to make the best decision for the business yeah. is really, it's an interesting new challenge for me as we think about the next year for Marketo. Yeah. Let's let's talk about a big challenge. I want to pivot and move to Summit, which is, uh, yeah. I guess, depending on oh. when you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> you either just attended it or you just missed it. And hopefully uh, you just attended it or you're about to. Um, but let me just right. tell you the opposite between you and I. So when I started DemandGen in June of 2007, um, I, the previous year I had just done my very first multi-day user conference and I was running marketing at LA May and they had never done a user conference and we were fortunate enough to have built the community large enough where it made sense to do that and we had about 1300 people at our very first user conference. Uh, it was at the Hilton in San Francisco and it was incredibly successful but it was also incredibly 
stressful and just demanding on the marketing team uh, beyond my beyond any expectation that I had. So when the conversation, it was either at a board meeting or it was the executive meeting, uh, they asked me, hey, are we ready to start planning the user conference for next year? That was the day, Sarah, that I decided, you know what? I'm resigning Friday because I'm going to start this company <laughs> and I don't want to leave them in a position where we're far down that trail and right, I just hit the ripcord right. and leave because that would you know, be horrible to the company to do that. And at the same time, quite candidly, I wasn't up for it again. You know, I love digital marketing. I also love experiential marketing, but I really like digital marketing. That's my passion, obviously. So we just did the opposite. I pulled a ripcord, and you came in right before Summit. So let's let's talk about how Summit is going. And can we start with the theme, which is the fearless marketer? Hope you yeah. I hope you saw. I hope you enjoyed the little video. I had some fun putting that together. But uh, yes, I did. I did. Um, yeah, the fearless marketer, man, this is, and it's something I get to talk about on day one, uh, at the event, hopefully a little bit as we, as we open up and kick off. But, um, this is, this is like my heart and soul. And this is a, the team's heart and soul. It's like what you see coming forth in that theme. Um, and we had a, you know, like every probably marketing team that's planning an event, we had a hard time getting there. We had a, um, we sort of, we knew what the emotion was that we wanted to evoke, um, at the event. And I, and I came in with this, um, you know, as a, as, a, as a leader, just anybody coming into a new organization, you kind of have things that you're hung up on a little bit or that kind of are your babies. And one thing I had just noticed, and as I was doing research coming in, I was so tired, honestly, they were seeing all these other conferences that were just like depressing to me because they were the picture of perfection. They were like, I mean, no offense to like guys in nice suits, but they were just a lot of guys the nice suits up there talking about how perfect things are right. in our industry. And that's just not the reality that I know I live in and that nope. now I've been in this role for six months that my customers are living in day in and day out. And I was like, how can we create an event that actually connects with them at the level that they're at, like about and the challenges that they're facing every day? Like the things, the things that are the reason that they only got three hours of sleep the night before they walked into our event. What are those things? And how do we start um, to really be an advocate and just an encourager of the people in the room and create a very a much safer place, I think, as a conference to come in and share stories of, of fearlessness. Because the reality is a lot of, everybody in the room is doing great work, and everybody's also screwing some stuff up. And mm -hmm. everybody at some point also feels like they have no idea what they're doing. You of course, know? yeah. It's just like the reality of our job. It's like it's that daily cycle. All three things happen in a given day, almost every day. And so we, we had centered around this idea of empowerment. We really wanted people to feel empowered. But And I was really hung up on this idea of, of just like the honest marketer and we kept coming around. I was like, that's not a very compelling theme though. Like, of course we're honest. What does that even yeah. mean? You know, yep. that mean we <laughs> and so we, we came to this, this, um, so Hallie Pinot on my team, who's been here for, um, at Marketo for now, probably she's probably got five X the Marketo experience that I do maybe more. Um, but she came up with that word and it just, Oh my gosh, it just, it was the theme that wrote itself. And we went down this path um, of just thinking about all the cool things we could do that would really be a way that we could tell and help others tell their own story. And yeah. we even, we went to a place that we, we actually pulled back a little bit from, we were going to make the whole conference, like, you know, people getting up on stage, um, who would, who were terrified of public speaking and us like run the conference and like have it a way that we enabled them to have a safe place. But we, we centered around the fearless 50, um, initiative, which is, I'm really excited about because it's basically 
for us. I, I hope it's the gift that keeps on giving for many years to come, but we want to do an annual class of the Fearless 50. And so that's the way we started just capturing stories of fearlessness and um, in our industry and just to start to see organically what could happen, what would come out of that. And that's where, um, as you saw in the video you created, as many others did, we've seen some, I mean, when I get stressed about this conference, I just go look at those videos and I've, I've oh, awesome. kind of obsessively watched them you know, a few different times. Cause it's like, when you think, when you worry about like all the other little bitty nitty gritty things that can make a conference so stressful to put on, that's why we do it. That's why we're in the business that we're in. And that's why our theme is like, it's our guiding light to us getting to kind of the finish line. Um, that seems very, very far out there, even, um, you know, with, with weeks to go at this point. So I think it's yeah. a great, great theme. By the way, if you haven't uh, watched these videos, uh, just search LinkedIn or Twitter for hashtag Fearless 50, and you'll find plenty of them. You can look on YouTube as well, and I'm sure on Marketo's site, they're aggregating them. And most of the ones that were done, if not all the ones that were done, were nominations and submissions for people to win. But I really wanted to capture the theme that you were sharing because I understand it. In fact, when Greg Carver, our chief operating officer, joined DemandGen, one of the things I said to him, because I really wanted to understand the persona of marketing, I said, you know, sales right. is always... Um, at the free throw line. They're always trying to, you know, get more points on the board. And marketing, which historically has been a very difficult department to measure, truly, Greg, I would say to him, lives in fear. Fear of getting fired, fear of being misunderstood, fear right. of their budget right. going away. You're you're constantly living in fear and yet you're working your ass off to right. <laughs> you know to grow a company and you know what you're achieving and what you're capable of achieving and the other thing too is you've got to be willing to take mad risks and spend a lot of money in marketing on things that may or may not work because you have to try and and so I totally you know sharing that with him I and and growing up my whole career in marketing I I get it and I'm looking forward to the conference and we'll we'll leave uh we'll leave the content to the conference but I think it's a great theme so that's kind of your recipe right the first thing about having a great user conference is you know have a theme and wrap around that theme what else I mean location was already picked for you yeah. you guys had already committed to San yeah, Francisco it was. and you know what do you think what do you think about that candidly I have an opinion, but I'll let, uh, well, I'll let you go. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's just so, what I'll say, there's a lot of good reasons why it was, you know, decisions were made that were made. Um, but when I think about San Francisco, I think of, and I think about our attendee base, I think of, man, is that an expensive place for people to have to, you know, even our hotel rates, it feels like that's hard. And so when we look at next year, we'll be looking to change that. Um, just because, you know, we still have about 60 to 70% of attendees are the, the users, the practitioners day to day that, I know, you know, what their budget limits are when I think of these things, and that's the type of stuff that I, I look at making a decision based on is what's actually um, achievable for them, what can they get approval for, and what feels like a reasonable price point. But location, yes, and Moscone, though, it's just very – it's hard to spend enough to ever make Moscone that special. Mm -hmm. um, but then at the same time, there's very few – you know, there's four or five cities in the world, really, that you, you have even the ability to – um, to, to put people in the same hotel where you can have an event that's 6,000 plus people. So, yeah. so some of those decisions were made for me, but there's not a whole lot of other options, but you will see us change next year. So I'll say it. that much. We'll get a sneak peek of that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say too much because I'm on board with the change. Yep. I'm not a fan of San Francisco uh, for all the reasons that you mentioned. I also think that we need a community feel. You guys have done a phenomenal job creating the marketing nation, right? And San Francisco, right. whenever you have an event where the hotels and the venue are different things, you kind of lose that sense right. of community of just living hard. together. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. good, good exactly. move. Well, well, we'll keep the surprise. Yeah. By the way, for, yes. 
stick around to the end of this podcast because your head of communications gave me a code to share with people who can get a discount. Oh, good, so good, good. We got we got a little great, we, got a, we got a little gold nugget for the end for people who haven't <laughs> the procrastinators, the people who haven't registered yet. Um, speakers. So another big part of the recipe is yeah. people coming yeah. out to oh, hear man. great content. Talk about that. Oh, Dave, this was the worst part of the process for me because I so I had I had worked with. Um, many different event companies in my past life and, you know, brought in big name keynotes, but just one of them, not, not like four. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and this was, this was a new step up for me to have to figure out, wow, okay, when do we put offers into whom? And then how do we, knowing the response time and the agents that you're dealing with and these, I mean, celebrities like, you know, Jamie Foxx's and Lindsay Vaughn's of the world, we put our offer into Lindsay while she was still like actually at the Olympics skiing, you know? So we knew that we wouldn't get an, a response back. And we actually didn't know where she was going to place in the medal run either. We were like, you know, she may get a medal, she may not. We don't care. It's Lindsay Vaughn. We right. cannot wait to get her on site. She's like the perfect representation of fearlessness. For sure. And, um, and so, but it was just funny. I mean, I, and we had a lot of different things we considered. We had a lot of different options. And what you don't, what I didn't realize was um, how much later we got started on that. I, this next year, I will start on that part of the offer process. Like, probably eight months out and we started I mean I started obviously as I just said like six months yeah. will be the day of like the beginning of the conference and we didn't even like we launched tickets later than we did in years prior like six or eight, seven weeks later we got keynotes locked down six or seven weeks later just all the things that you don't want to do to generate <laughs> I mean pretty much all Way the things cram. you can do that yes. are, are the, yeah exactly to cram stuff in um, and but it was just partly because when we had such good options and we but we wanted to have the right mix of keynote speakers. So you have to think about you know one person on day two accepting, and then can you get a response from the other people that you've offered to? But then maybe you know if they'd say no on day two, maybe that throws off your day one because you don't have the right balance of types of people and like people from different industries or athletes. Like we didn't want to have two athletes, for example. We want to have somebody from a different realm. Like yeah. all that kind of stuff goes into it. And I just man was that a. a wake-up call for me <laughs> so, no those are great great um, picks. i will tell you that was a big learning big learning for me but i'm yeah. so thrilled with who we have and it's just i mean it's going to be such a compelling two two days three days four days really at the end of the week um but yeah and i just we just uh, figured out i'm going to be the one interviewing jamie fox and i'm so nervous so i'm like trying to scramble to get questions together for that um so he's uh, an incredibly he, talented uh actor oh, and musician and you so know, great. yeah yeah that'd so be great. great and you you guys never spare any expense when it comes to speakers and i've you know gone to the conferences this is my i don't know fifth or sixth actual yeah. um marketo summit i don't know how many i've been to and you didn't mention Florida, which you know there that's another great uh oh, great um yeah. celebrity and I'm performer shout out to uh yeah marissa lyman on my team was the one who we were we we again that's one that we went through we actually got that lockdown first before anything else but um that was that was her genius and yeah he's gonna be so great and we can't i mean it's gonna be such a fun night of you know 10 10 songs that are uh, Grammy nominated over, I mean, it's just like, or t top 10, I guess, Billboard um, hits, like, it's just going to be amazing. So I can't wait to have it there. I was in Florida with the family. We were on spring break and we did a cruise and we were staying at one of the hotels there. And I'm walking out to the valet and there's this car. And, you know, it's, you know, one of those just, you know, cars that you're looking at, like, that 
that's not a normal person's car. And as I walked right. around it, um, it, of course, even had his branding on the side of this car that was probably like a $450,000 oh car. And so I said That's to the amazing. valet guy, I go, is, is that Flo Rida's car? And he goes, it sure is. He's here all the time. And I, so I waited around hoping he was going to come out, but I didn't catch him. He was there for a meeting. But now I will get to see him. So funny. Um, you, you know, it's you mentioned about the introvert aspect before. I, I didn't mention yeah. to you. So I was a DJ back in college. And people, you were a DJ. Yes, you oh. buried the lead. Didn't you? <laughs> so great. So I DJed at, awesome. at one of your previous conferences. We threw a big party. Demandgen threw a party over at the Bellagio, and and our head of marketing said, "That's so great." Hey, what do you want to do for the for the event? And I said, "I don't know." And she goes, "She goes, what do you think?" And I said, "Well, you know, let's throw a great party. You always do a great job, and you know, let's get a DJ. It's Las Vegas." And she goes, "Do you want a DJ?" And I'm like, "I I do want a DJ." Just for an hour. Yeah. And, you know, it was a chance actually for me to relax and get away from the crowd and just, you know, do my thing for a little while. So cool. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. We got still a lot to cover. And I know your your time is precious yeah. today. But um, sessions. So going beyond the speakers and talking about just content. I know that you guys have a track for CMOs. And I know that you have. Why don't you give the stats on the number of sessions? I can't even remember. They are so many. Oh, and, and how are you breaking that out? Well, I, so, and this is terrible that I don't know the final, final number. I know we have 96 that we're locked down, but I think we have over 120 total. If wow. you include, like, there's a lot of different ancillary stuff that happens on uh, Sunday as well as on Wednesday. Um, but it's, it's an amazing number of sessions that are, I mean, some of the best just speakers. When I, I'm telling you, I've never also signed so many um, speaker contracts, but that, that was a, uh, my fingers been tired. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's been, it's been incredible. And again, so Hallie on my team is the one who runs, um, runs that, that just entire massive effort. And just, I mean, everybody from Ann, the Ann Hanley's of the world, we've actually got a couple more that are big surprises that are happening, Ooh. uh, in the next couple of days that are, uh, that we're in the process of getting locked down that have to do with our theme, but I'll, I, I can't spoil it until she's got confirmation on that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, just the, the speaker lineup and then, you know, when you look across, uh, we're even we're just doing different things this year that I think will hopefully create some cool memories. And that's you know I, I, on site at the event some of the um, some of the activations quote unquote of the of the theme um, as our as our event friends would tell us. But mm. um, but just the experiential element of it is going to be really cool. Yep. We've got um, a lot of fun things that people can participate in on site that will hopefully be unforgettable memories that they you know it's like that's what i want to create when i think about an event it's like we invest a lot of money in this event oh, you and as you've mentioned, it's, it's a no small feat millions and, and millions and at, millions of dollars and that's why it's it's got to be yeah. it's got to be a success i like the approach that yeah. you guys take with having you know well over 100 sessions because the conferences that you go to where you're kind of locked into that one day track it can be hit and miss. And so, you know, yeah. maybe there was something you wanted, maybe something you don't. And you guys, by having this, you know, really big buffet of different content topics, people can go to the stuff that they're passionate about, whether it's the technical side yeah. or the strategic side or certain uh, methodologies that they want to learn in a huge expo where they can see, you know, all kinds of marketing technologies and, and vendors of which we will be exhibiting. So we're really looking forward yes. we're to that. thrilled to have you. Yeah. And we have, I think we've got about 85, I think, and it may be closer to 90, actually. We've got uh, kind of our final few um, sponsorships that are being kind of closed off, I guess, to this weekend, really. Um, but yeah, we've got, I think it'll end up being about 92 total sponsors, which is just incredible. And so we do, we appreciate you guys being a partner. Absolutely. And we've got, um, if anybody's listening to this before the event, I would really strongly encourage you guys to go to the expo because it's going to be killer this year. And we're also doing more of a TED, TED Talk-like 
um, theme set up to where we've got a lot of our um, our partners that are going to be doing mini TED Talks that are, um, it'll be a, kind of a fun little, um, I think, corner of the expo that you guys should check out, uh, as well as just all the other, obviously, the vendors and partners that we'll have there in the in the room. So we are doing one of those TED Talks. That. Yours truly. I'm going to do one. It's uh, We're doing awesome. how to assess your... You know what time? What day time? Uh, I know it's Tuesday. I don't know exactly what time. I think okay. it's Tuesday morning. But it's on how to assess your MarTech stack. And so, you know, it's something we've been doing for a lot of our clients this past year is helping them, you know, reevaluate um, all the tools and technologies, the investments they've made, and make sure that they're getting the return on that. And if they're not, you know, are there tools they should sunset? Are there tools that they should, you know, invest more time and resources in? And so we're going to be offering a free uh, Marketo assessment where people can go online. We've created uh, this way that they can go in, answer a bunch of questions, and then we're generating our, our team of Dimension experts are giving them the assessment report out of our booth and following up with them. So it'd be very, very cool. Um, and and at, like you, scrambling to get all the pieces together always for event marketing is always tough, but uh, it's great. And as you know, we're up for Digital Services Partner of the Year, which uh, I'm just happy to yeah. be a finalist. As I said earlier in your career, you know, you you want to win, place, or show, um, you know. And I'm just happy right. to be. I'm just happy to be in that inner inner circle. We'll see. Fingers crossed. You're still you're up on the scoreboard either way. You exactly. Know? <laughs> exactly. What else has been part of the recipe going in for you guys? So you know, having a theme and the speakers and, and great sessions and a, and a good expo. Yeah, I mean, so there's so many other parts to it. I will say, but. Um, I, you know, when I think about it, it's, it's almost unfortunate where I where I've had to spend my time, which is you know, kind of the minutia of getting contracts signed or worried about um, the the keynote offers that are going out, all that. Even though that's not minutia, I guess it's a pretty big deal. But um, but when I I think about uh, just other pieces of the puzzle, I, there's so much work that goes on, so much work. I mean, I've got a team of there's a steering committee of 40 people wow. uh, across my marketing team, which means. It's it's good it's great because there's so many people who are energized and who are you know investing their time but you know you then look at a year and you're going man how much time did they have to invest that is away from their day job because not all of them I mean I've got you know only only a handful of those are truly you know by name and title event marketers um, and so it it's, it takes a village for sure to plan an event like this but um, but one of the things that we're starting this coming week that I just I don't know why I decided this is a good idea this couldn't be a terrible idea. Um, but we're going to do a mini documentary, like a behind the scenes of what it takes to plan summit, like what it goes into this planning this beef. Yeah. And, um, you know, for it, for a minimum, just to have I was laughing because I was thinking, man, I would love to be able to look back because I'll never remember it. It'll be in the moment. I'll forget this. But like, I'm sure I'm gonna have a barf bag before I walk on stage. And I'm breathing <laughs> into, you know, who knows? But like everybody's 30 seconds before they go on stage. I would love to have the footage of that just for any, for in no other purpose than maybe just to have our own internal giggles about it. You know, yeah. maybe we never published this thing, Yeah. but we're going to, we're, we're going to have, we've got our, um, our film crew from head high that works with us on a lot of different stuff. They're great. And they do a lot of really scrappy work for us. And I was like, Hey guys, can you come in <laughs> for yeah. the next three weeks? Like come into some of our planning meetings uh, at our office and you can see some of the more um, strenuous, let's just say, or stressful decisions that are made leading up to the very, you know, final days before the event, and then also have them on site nonstop, even in like, you know, we've got some dedicated rooms where our executives will be running through their talks. I'm like, I kind of want to have a camera in there that people are going to be told is there, but they're going to forget it's there. And then, you know, we have the footage. Um, and then just other, you know, just different things behind the scenes of getting Jamie Foxx, like, mic'd up and getting him on stage, you know, fun things like that. So, we can also use that maybe to share with people after the fact of this is actually what it takes. Cause I, I laugh. I'm like, 
I would love to be watching that video that somebody else produced sure. right now about their event because I'm sure I could learn something and um, would be, you know, very grateful for it to exist. So if for no other reason than to just memorialize all of the hard work, blood, sweat, and tears that my team pours into it for our own internal popcorn hour at some yeah. point that we get to go back and watch it. But well beyond that, you know, maybe content that others can benefit from that are in our customer base. I love that you were doing that. It was one of the reasons I want to do the podcast leading up to it so that people could really hear what yeah. it takes to put on a conference like this. Just to draw on that, when I this, this user conference that I was telling you about earlier, um, I was backstage. It was the very first time we had done the user conference, like I said, and our CEO, not the most comfortable uh, getting up on stage. And so we're behind and, and the curtains are closed. You know that, right? All your AV equipment, everything right. behind the scenes looks like a mad war zone back there. But on the other <laughs> side are thousands of seats. And so, you know, he yep. says to me, we had been there backstage probably by 730 and, and 8.30 he's going up on stage. And when he walked back there, he had peaked and there was nobody, right? Because nobody had arrived to the conference yet. Right, and so we get to about right. 8, 20, 8, 25, and he looks at me as he's, you know, adjusting his lavalier and, you know, trying to get his composure. And he looks at me and he goes, so Dave, how many people do you think are out there? Do you think every seat is, is filled? And I said, well, you know, traffic in San Francisco sucks, Sig, but yeah, I think we can, I think we pulled it off. I mean, we had the registration, people are going to come, they're going to be here. And all I'm thinking, God, I hope so, you know, is that's what's really going right. on in my head. Cause, and then he looks at me and he goes, you know, cause if there's empty seats and a lot of them, we're going to have a talk afterwards. And like, oh, no. uh, he ain't messing with me. <laughs> Fortunately, yeah. walked out on stage, I saw the cameras go up and I'm like, the room's full, hero, you know, and uh, it was yeah. it was great. Hey, before we wrap up, I got two more questions for you. Um, sure. One is where your mind is not a lot maybe these days, which is what happens next after Summit, back when you can get to the normal uh, part of the yeah. day-to-day job and leading the team. What what's what's the priorities for Marketo from a marketing perspective after Summit? Yeah, um, so there's two pretty big ones. There's a long list of about a hundred, but there's two that I um, I spend a lot of time even now. I mean, it's like in the spare moments at you know 11:45 at night, um, thinking a lot about or worrying about. But actually, there's a ton of work going on in, in other work streams that have nothing to do with Summit around um, two pretty big areas for us, but. Um, but those for me right now are, are we've got a brand refresh underway mm-hmm. and, um, we had thought we might try to, to announce that at summit and it just was ill-advised at some point. So we're, we're going to tease it a little more, but we're going to give it its proper due because we've got a pretty big rollout of that. that's going to be coming in the months, uh, right after summit. Um, and so that's one and that's, uh, we're in the kind of final days of work with our agency, uh, wrapping some of that work up now. So, um, that's, that's to me occupies a lot of my mental and creative energy, which is the, which is just the fun stuff. I mean, man, is that fun to work on? Um, and so that will be coming soon. And that'll, the rollout of that'll be what you see. Um, I spent a lot of just outward public energy on the second thing though. It's not as public, um, or, you know, it, it's not maybe, I don't know, this sexy the word, but it's a really important priority for me, which is, um, enterprise segment marketing and us looking at how do we grow, our business, our book of business, and just start to be more sophisticated in how we go to market with that segment. But more importantly, what does our support across every stage of the funnel look like with um, our sales partners? And mm-hmm. how do we align to support them in a different way than what has got us to this point as a business, which has been incre- an incredible success. Um, but it's been mostly, you know, in small to medium business or mid-market type of customers with probably a handful of 50 to 100 customers that would really they're the big boys in that um, in that enterprise segment. But uh, how do you start to create a marketing machine that actually supports 
enterprise in a more, and it's actually a, a bespoke machine, if that's again, an, another oxymoron, you know, it's like, how do you do that at scale and how do you start to provide um, the type of support a sales organization needs um, in the middle of the funnel and, and, you know, at the bottom of the funnel, instead of it all being the same kind of top of the funnel, you know, six week sales cycle that we've always seen um, come through most of our business historically, it's now, you know, a 12 month sales cycle and it's selling to the CTO or the CIO or the CP. I mean, there's a variety of different people that are involved in that mix. Um, And as chief digital officers become more, uh, of a of a true buyer in that decision making process in the enterprise segment is that does that shift how we think about again um, our audience and how we I don't know how how we generally go to market speak to them message to them um, sell to them and then support our sales organization in closing those deals and so I spend a lot of time now um, on that um, we're recruiting you know um, even more talent into the mix we've got some great people focused on that today in our in our marketing team but we're adding. Um, a few more over the coming months um, to add just to beef up our horsepower in that sense and to give us um, a broader perspective as a marketing organization. So for me, those are two really top of mind um, areas of importance. And it's not stuff that just hasn't been worked on for six months. It's just stuff that, you know, you don't get to hear about a lot because it is um, definitely some it takes the headline in almost every every conversation. Right. So, um, but for me, those are my big three right now. So totally. well, then, unfortunately, as soon as you're done, you know, Vista and the board is like, okay, show's over. How's uh, everything coming on that brand refresh and and on this right, initiative? Right, right, exactly. Yeah, like, oh my god, could <laughs> oh, I get a break? they're asking now. Don't worry, don't worry. They're asking now. <laughs> um, they're all over that. Some is the some is the kind of you know exclamation mark at the end of a, a very important and powerful sentence, and the yeah. sentence is the uh, brand refresh and enterprise and just how we keep growing so um but yeah they'll be in the audience too that's what i love about our board they show up oh yeah martin's there hey um, (laughs) let's we start on a personal note let's end on a personal note um rumor has it you are leaving dallas and moving to headquarters Uh, i am i know how do you feel about that i'm actually sitting you know i've grown up in dallas i've actually never had um a big move and um but my husband has he grew up uh, moving all over and we're thrilled denver for me though is sort of like a second home uh, because I grew up in the in um, the summers every year. We have a, um, a very, and I will call it a cabin. This is not a luxury cabin. This is like we have a well, and if the world comes to an end, that's where you'll find me. Um, but it's like we have a stove that can be, you know, heated just by sticks and fire and, and rocks and yeah. But um, but yeah, we've got uh, a very old, old school cabin up there that I spent time every summer at growing up. And it's kind of where my creativity was would come to life. And I would build forts and, you know, do all the fun things up there with your hands that really um, are magical as a child. And I spent time in the mountains and it was just my home. So when I'm in Colorado, I feel at peace and I feel calm. And so it was like one of those magical things when I found out even, I didn't even know, you know, I had no idea that Steve had even um, the the option for this job to be based in Denver. When we first started talking, I just kind of assumed San Francisco would be where I was. And um, and as time went on, I was like, wait, Den- Denver? Den- yes, yes. <laughs> so um, so for me, it's really special. And, um, and you know, we're building uh, – part of our marketing team is being hired in Denver. We've got an incredible team in San Francisco. So I'll, I'll just basically change which airport I fly out right. of. Yep. Um, but I'll be spending still three weeks out of every four. I'll be in San Francisco and San Mateo at our headquarters. Um, but I'm just excited for a change of scenery. Um, I love Dallas. It's where my family is, where my home is. But um, it's always just a couple hour flight away. So, uh, so it'll be good time to kind of move on and go try something different. Nice. Um, so we're excited about that. All right. Well, congrats on, on the relocation. Sounds like you're moving to a good good spot. 
Well, hey, thank you, Sarah, for joining me. I know this is probably yeah, the least opportune time. Yeah, you bet. Um, but I uh, appreciate your time. And for those of you who stuck around, I promised you a golden nugget. So uh, Lori Stafford is her name. And so Stafford 450, S-T-A-F-F-O-R-D 450 is the code she gave me. If you haven't registered, you're one of those procrastinators. Well, this time it paid off for you so you can register for the conference. And I look forward to seeing you there. I'll, I'll be down in the crowd. Um, I am attending Partner Day on Sunday, so maybe I'll run into you there. Oh, good. Okay, I'll see you there. But yeah, good I'll luck with there. good luck with everything. I'm sure it will come off flawlessly. And and whatever doesn't uh, work flawlessly, only you yeah, guys will it, it know. It probably won't. Yeah. It probably yeah, exactly. <laughs> it probably won't. But that's the point. It's okay if it doesn't. But it's going to be a great couple of days that we get to celebrate just the success of the fearless marketers in our industry. So Absolutely. I cannot wait. And I look forward to seeing you there. All right, cool. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Demand Gen Radio. Thanks everybody for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.